You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we start with breaking news and how a typo led to the early release of a notorious Vancouver area gangster. John Waz live in our newsroom right now with the details. John, this involves Jared Bacon. Explain how this all came to light. That's right, Chris. It seems Jared Bacon was released from prison 16 months earlier than he should have been because of a mistake in his files. According to Parole Board of Canada documents, the Bacon brother was released from a Quebec prison in February of last year due to confusion over how much time was left on his sentence. He was rearrested after breaking his conditions by being found in a strip bar with someone well known by the Correctional Services of Canada. Bacon appealed his rearrest and could receive a second statutory release this June. He was originally sentenced to 12 years minus time served for cocaine smuggling. Now, the documents show that Bacon essentially used this error as a defense, stating he should have not been in the community and by extension, his release should not have been revoked by the board. Bacon's appeal was granted and the board's decision to revoke his statutory release has been cancelled. Chris? All right, John, thanks for the update. More coverage on our website as well. Now, it's a good time to fill up your tank because gas prices are spiking in Metro Vancouver. Our Grace Key is in Langley tonight where fears of the impending price hike already caused a bit of chaos. Grace? Yeah, we found one of the cheaper spots in town, a buck 19 here at the Super Save in Langley, and people are certainly taking advantage, filling up before that price hike hits. This is my head office this season. They like to sell cheap gas. They like to sell cheap gas, and drivers are willing to line up around the block to fill her up for a deal. The Super Save at Langley Bypass in 56th Avenue is now selling gas at... That's right. Your eyes aren't playing tricks on you. It's a buck nineteen a liter. It was one forty-eight everywhere else. So this is the rare occurrence for within Langley. Today is wonderful because now I can have an extra glass of wine. This is just lucky for me. Like I said, it's my first day of the house in two weeks from surgery. So, so uh, cheap gas is a bonus. Gas prices have been creeping up to a dollar forty-eight a liter in many stations throughout the Lower Mainland, and prices are predicted to hit a dollar fifty by Wednesday. We have a small refinery. It's down right now in Burnaby. Uh, it, uh, of course, uh, means that we have had to import a lot more gasoline. You're paying 21 cents a litre more today than you were this time last year. If that continues, every motorist on average has had to shell out an extra six to $700 this year alone. With news of rising prices, people are filling up before the hike hits and looking for a deal wherever they can find one. At the Langley Costco, drivers were willing to wait in line for a buck 23 a litre of gas. Is cheaper? Yeah. How much cheaper? Uh, I paid 10, 20 cents, depends. Uh, because it's going to go up in price. Stations across the border are expecting more BC plates waiting in line at the gas pumps. Even with the exchange rate, travelers say you can't beat the prices down south. My wife was in the States last week. It, she's got a Fiat, little Fiat 500. It cost her about $45 to fill it up here. It was like $18 down there. And if you can't make it to the States, drivers say at a buck 19, this is worth the trip. This is a hell of a promotional value for super safe gas. I love it. It's totally going to be worth it. We've been in here for like 15 minutes already, but 119, you can't beat that. 
So earlier today, we actually saw the lineup. It was wrapped around 56 and then wrapped around Langley Bypass. They actually had somebody here uh, helping to direct traffic. Right now, I'd say it's about eight cars deep, so not bad right now if you want to come down and fill up. Chris? All right. You might see a rush on it in a moment here. Thanks, Grace. So how much can you really save by shopping around? All things being equal, filling up a 60-liter tank with regular gasoline at Vancouver prices right now will cost you on average $89. That same tank of gas in central Langley costs $75, a $14 savings. And if you fill up in Bellingham, factoring in the exchange, it's a $53 fill, saving you about $36. A Langley couple is fighting tech giant Apple for uninsured losses after a fire destroyed their home and shut down their business. Investigators determined the fire broke out on a chair where an iPhone had been charging. But the couple says the company has been slow to act. Jeff Hastings explains why. The new house at Lorica Farm is a replacement built on the ashes of the last one. I came home and put my phone on charge in our house, went off to feed the goats, and 20 minutes later I came back and there was smoke billowing from the roof of our house. To find my wife in the back of an ambulance, um, getting some uh, oxygen, I guess. She had some smoke inhalation. The family isn't wondering what caused the blaze that consumed their home. They're looking no farther than Kathy's iPhone 6, found where she'd plugged it in on a charred chair at the area of origin. It got hot very quickly. Um, there was a lot of heat in the house. The house was damaged very quickly. The house is being rebuilt with insurance money, but they've lost a great deal of income and want Apple, the iPhone's on, manufacturer, to compensate them. Come on. Come on so far, no again. luck. We simply don't have the time or the resource to, to get this, this farm back up and running again. I reached out to Apple for comment and received an email on my iPhone that says they're looking into the customer's claim, but they've yet to be able to analyze the device. The Langley Fire Department tells us the cause of the fire is undetermined. The iPhone is being tested. The results not back yet from a company called Advanced Investigative Solutions. I don't think they can say that this is the cause of the fire for legal reasons, but there was certainly nothing else in the vicinity that could have possibly caused it. They ruled out everything else. Salty. The family has made the tough decision to shut down the business and most likely sell the farm, unless they can settle the dispute with Apple in their favour. Kathy has another iPhone 6. My iPhone that burnt down my house was insured and they make you take the exact same phone, but they also made me pay the deductible of $250 for the phone that had burnt down my life and destroyed everything I owned. Jeff Hastings, Global News. Some frightening moments for a Cloverdale family this morning. A truck plowed into their home in the 5700 block of 184th Street. As you can see, it left a gaping hole, but thankfully, no one was hurt. My father-in-law and my daughter and I were standing upstairs. I heard sounds and then felt the house shake. Get out of my house. <laughs> it's one of those things that makes life interesting. I've got some adrenaline in me. I think I'm shaking a little bit, but, you know, it's times like these, I think everybody gathers around you. It's pretty cool because all of a sudden everybody just wants to take care of you and it shows that you're part of a community, which I think is great. The driver was shaken up but not hurt. No word on what caused the crash. The federal liberals are putting women first in their 2018 budget, spending billions to close the gender wage gap and support victims of sexual harassment. Richard Zussman has a look at some of the other highlights and what it all means for B.C. There was one clear winner in budget 2018. Women. 
The federal government releasing its annual fiscal blueprint this afternoon, adding new parental supports, gender equality, and anti-harassment initiatives. We believe that now is the right time to focus on the deeper challenges that hold our economy and our people back. Here are the big highlights. The feds are introducing five weeks extra leave for two-parent families to take the pressure off moms, committing billions to indigenous supports and running an $18.1 billion deficit. The federal government will be increasing loans available to build rental housing, but B.C. is still looking for the details. I'm optimistic about an opportunity to partner with the federal government. And concerns loom about how long the funding will last for those big housing initiatives and child care. I'd like to see long-term funding, uh, you know, certainly for housing and for child care. There was a lot in the budget on the wide-ranging issue of drugs. The feds are committing to a pharmacare plan that will make prescription drugs cheaper, but not until 2019. On the ongoing fentanyl crisis, provinces will get $150 million in emergency funding and extra support for Indigenous communities to deal with the crisis. British Columbia is leading the way both in the number of deaths in the country, but also in our overdose response. So this is good news. And on pot legalization, the budget outlines $62.5 million over five years for public education, but there's still a financial hole on enforcement. I didn't see a lot in terms of the drug-impaired driving issue and for training, uh, additional training or additional resources in that regard. I'm a bit disappointed in that. Meaning with no federal budget between now and recreational pot being legal in July, the province will be on the hook for at least part of the bill. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Keith Baldry joins us now for a look at the bigger picture. And Keith, what does this tell us about the federal liberal strategy heading into next year's election? Well, I think it provides several clues, Chris. Uh, all budgets are political. This one, I think, even more so. The big uh, emphasis here on courting women voters, uh, emphasizing all sorts of initiatives on pay equity, closing the pay equity gap, and getting more women into the workforce. That's going to be looked upon favor- favorably by a sector of the voters that uh, supported Justin Trudeau in 2015. He's looking for their support. It's a very urban-focused budget. Uh, all those rental units are in, in urban centers like Toronto and Vancouver, uh, very important to the Liberal base. And it's also a green budget which is going to please a number of environmentalists, all presenting a contrast between the Liberals and the old Conservative government of Stephen Harper. There's some wedge issues here he's developed, notably uh, laying the groundwork for National Drug Plan. That's one of the key planks of the NDP platform, and Justin Trudeau just possibly stole it from him. All right. Thanks very much, Keith Baldry and Victoria. A familiar face in B.C. politics is rejoining the Liberal caucus today. Ben Stewart taking the oath of office and then his seat at the legislature in Victoria. Stewart won the Kelowna West by-election two weeks ago. He represented that riding for four years but stepped aside shortly after the 2013 provincial election so then Premier Christy Clark could have a safe riding after losing her Vancouver area seat. Stewart's win brings the official opposition to 42 seats, one more than the governing NDP. More evidence tonight of the challenges facing renters in Metro Vancouver. A new report suggests more tenants are being forced out of their homes because they can't pay the rent. And things might even be worse than we know. Nadia Stewart explains why. For Charlene Stewart and her family, the frustration has been building. After five years of being squeezed by rising rents, they finally had enough. Every time we've had to and had to look for a new place, the rent just gets up and up and our space seems to shrink. <laughs> In a matter of weeks, they'll be packing up, moving to the Okanagan. 
Some people are throwing their hands up and going, I guess I have to live with it. Or they're doing the same thing as us and running to smaller towns where it's more affordable. She is among the many in Metro Vancouver feeling the pressure of expensive rent. Now researchers at SFU are crunching the numbers, looking at data from BC's residential tenancy branch. The findings, grim but not surprising. Evictions are on the rise. The big driver for evictions, at least from the data set, is people's inability to make rent, or what's called non-payment of rent. Actually, the story is that there's greater vulnerability, there's higher levels of eviction that are simply not being recorded. Between 2006 and 2017, over 127,000 rental disputes were recorded. More than four out of ten tenants living in the suburbs were unable to pay their rent on time. In Surrey, about half of the disputes were over unpaid rent. It's a very partial snapshot. It's just a tip of, you know, the tip of the iceberg in a sense because lots of disputes between landlords and tenants or evictions are not going to get to RTV. The Tenant Resource and Advisory Centre says the findings confirm what they've known anecdotally for years, that tenants are being squeezed out by legal and illegal means. More commonly tenants facing uh, landlords who are trying to pressure them out of their housing illegally through tactics such as uh, claiming close family is going to move in but then renting to a new stranger. Sakamoto says the NDP's elimination of geographic rent increases has helped, but the rules surrounding landlord use could also do with an overhaul, among other changes, if renters are truly going to get the protection they need. Nadia Stork, Global News. Right now, Vancouver-based Mountain Equipment Co-op says it's still considering how it will respond to a growing protest movement across the country. The outdoor equipment chain is the target of a social media campaign demanding that it drop certain products connected to a company that also makes guns. Ted Chernecki has the details. Even on the sunny slopes of Whistler today, if you looked close enough, you could see the long shadow of the National Rifle Association. Some of that headgear, ski goggles, for example, is made by a major American manufacturer. And it's that connection that's behind an online petition by card-holding members of the Vancouver-based Mountain Equipment Co-op. As long as, as, long as they, they keep it up, they're not going to get my business. Really? Yeah. If they connect to NRA, um, I probably boy- boycott those products. Since the Florida massacre, a growing number of corporate interests have put the NRA in their sights, halting sponsorships. And in Vancouver's case, urging a boycott of any products made by companies with a strong affiliation to military-grade assault weapons. MEC are between a rock and a hard spot on this one. On the one hand, if they cancel long-term supplier contracts, could be a big lawsuit for them. On the other hand, they have a whole bunch of LA customers who want nothing to do with NRA or any products coming from those guys. Utah-based Vista markets all kinds of benign outdoor products, but they also manufacture high-powered rifles and the ammunition that could have been used in any one of the recent mass shootings. Do you want to be seen as somebody working for a company that backs the NRA and its stance on uh, on semi-automatic weapons? In the context of a mountain equipment, who their customer is, who their staff members are, that would be a very hard pill for them to swallow. Mountain Equipment Co-op says it's evaluating the social media response, saying this is a very complex issue and it needs to weigh all its options. But I think MEC will answer to it. They're generally pretty good. Most of the products in question are sold at thousands of other outdoor stores without issue. But MEC shoppers are almost unique. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Some breaking news for you now surrounding the B.C. Liberal MP who's been under fire for his role in Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's controversial trip to India. Surrey Centre MP Randeep Sarai has announced he's stepping down as the chair of the Liberal Party's Pacific Caucus. Sarai admitted to inviting Jaspal Atwal, a convicted felon, to two events during the PM's India trip. 
In a statement on Twitter tonight, Sarai says, I want to again apologize for my role in recent unfortunate events. Moving forward, I will be exercising better judgment. As I don't want to distract, distract from the good work of the Pacific Caucus, I will be stepping down as caucus chair. One of the biggest risks of buying and selling anything online these days is the face-to-face -face transaction with a complete stranger. But in Abbotsford, police have set up a special area where your Craigslist or Kijiji deal can be closed in complete safety and under surveillance. Aaron MacArthur reports. Next time you have something to buy or sell online, come here to make the exchange. The Abbotsford Police Department making its parking lot a safe spot for transactions. It's an idea that makes a lot of sense. I think it's fantastic because I get nervous when I hear my husband's going to someone's house to get something. I think that's a great idea, yeah. The front door of the Abbotsford police station is lit, there are surveillance cameras, and it offers the protection of police if the deal goes sideways. If somebody doesn't want to meet you at the police station and they don't have a reasonable explanation, then I would really question the item that they're selling or their intentions to meet with you. The online secondhand economy in B.C. is enormous. The latest study, sponsored by Kijiji, pegs the value at just more than $4 billion and growing, providing ample opportunity for scammers to prey on unsuspecting victims. You know, it does discourage people who are going to be buying or selling stolen property that they will not be meeting here. In addition to that, we did provide a website for people to be able to check serial numbers to be able to safeguard for themselves in buying stolen property. Other police departments in B.C. are unofficially safe spots, but with a simple change of a parking sign, Abbotsford has given its residents a little more sense of security. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Police are warning Metro Vancouver consumers about the reappearance of an alleged pyramid scheme that's cheated people out of thousands of dollars. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrew, has the details on this one. Yeah, and Chris, thousands of people could be involved. Thanks mm -hmm. so much. Mission RCMP say they have closed the loop on a gifting circle with alleged inside links to their own detachment. The alleged fraud is just one of more than 100 gifting circles or clouds operating across the Lower Mainland. Mission RCMP launched an investigation last September following a complaint to Coquitlam RCMP alleging District of Mission employees, contractors and volunteers were running a large-scale gifting circle within the Mission RCMP detachment. Well, one week ago, four people were arrested after four separate raids in Mission. Investigators believe thousands of people may be involved or are being actively recruited across the Lower Mainland. Author and inspirational speaker Kamel Dillon warned about the scam back in 2016 after she joined a gathering called Women Gifting Women. It seemed like a worthy cause until the group was asked to recruit other women and get them to hand over $5,000 each. And then you're promised on a, on a certain day or what's called your birthday, you get uh, a $40,000 payout. That's the way this is supposed to work. But like any pyramid scheme, it'd be, you know, it's, it's, it's the people at the top that get the money. And as the base widens out, it, it gets very, very unstable and uh, a lot of other people lose their money. There's lots of big red flags, actually. It's the, you know, it's the cash only. It's the very secretive nature of it. They don't want you to share emails with other people. Um, it's, you might be a friend of a friend who's trying to get you into this.
One other note, intelligent, successful women are often the targets of this fraud. And while it may sound convincing and legitimate, the Better Business Bureau says the gifting circle is an illegal pyramid or Ponzi scheme as it recruits people with no services or products offered. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Some chilling new details tonight suggest many more people could have died in that Florida school massacre. Investigators now say when 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz dropped his AR-15 rifle, he still had five fully loaded magazines with more than 150 unspent rounds. They also say some of the school windows were cracked from the inside, indicating Cruz might have tried to shoot at students outside running for their lives. But the hurricane-strength windows didn't break. Armed deputies now patrol the school where students will return tomorrow for the first time since the massacre. A serious warning tonight for online shoppers everywhere after an investigation by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. The agency has found that counterfeit goods, many of them dangerous, are being sold on some of the sites you've probably visited, and the percentage of fakes is shocking. Tonight, some of the popular products sold on America's top online retailers, Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Sears, and Newegg, are really counterfeit products, according to a new report from the Government Accountability Office. Of the 47 products tested, 20 were fake, including Urban Decay makeup, Yeti travel mugs, and phone chargers, supposedly certified. Some of the fake chargers posed a risk of lethal electrocution. The counterfeit mugs may have high concentrations of lead, and the fake cosmetics can contain cyanide, arsenic, mercury, lead, urine, and rat droppings. The real and the bogus makeup look identical. We selected items that are available generally on a variety of different websites. We also looked for the prices that were not that far off of retail. L'Oreal, which owns Urban Decay, and Yeti say they have robust programs to protect consumer safety. The companies selling the products all tell NBC News they strictly forbid the sale of counterfeit goods and are taking swift action to address complaints from customers. Look for missing safety certification labels, and if you have any concerns that the item is not authentic, contact the retailer and get a refund. Another precaution, buy directly from the brand's website. Jolene Kent, NBC News, Los Angeles. In Health Matters tonight, a North American retailer is getting behind transgender rights. Lush has joined with local partners to create a pocket guide on how to become an ally of transgender people. The chain's also selling a limited edition bath melt with 100% of the purchase price going towards advancing the cause of transgender groups. We put a lot of the campaign pieces together, speaking to folks about how to listen to trans voices, how to act as an ally, how to learn important things like asking pronouns, how to be just very supportive so that we can create a more inclusive and supportive society for all. Momentum is building tonight for Pink Shirt Day, the day that aims to make bullying a thing of the past. A giant anti-bullying flash mob in Delta today to raise awareness about tomorrow's big event. More than a thousand students from six schools took part in a Bollywood Western mashup. Helped along by BC Lions running back Tyler Davis and team mascot Leo the Lion. It's the fourth year for this mass flash mob. A second flash mob will be held next week in Surrey. And in Victoria... 
A tree of kindness has sprouted in the halls of Oak Bay High School, a project spearheaded by grade 11 students. They collected nearly a thousand pink leaves with messages of kindness and put them on display for all who walked the halls. The students want to shift the conversation away from the negative connotations of bullying to something more positive. The main question was, what does kindness mean to you? And how do you show kindness? What are some of the things people have been saying? Just smile, you're awesome, or helping a friend when they need it most. So if you're always saying no bullying, no bullying, no bullying, people get it, but it kind of almost slides over. Whereas if you kind of change it around and switch the dialogue that we've been having for so long and say, you know what, instead of bullying, let's look at kindness, let's look at how we help each other sort of thing. And I think that's how, as my friends have said, how we eliminate bullying. The students are planning to share their idea with the younger generation. Tomorrow they're inviting kindergartners to the school to present them with friendship knots, hoping to establish an anti-bullying attitude early on. And as we mentioned, Pink Shirt Day presented by Coast Capital Savings is tomorrow. You can get a t-shirt at London Drugs or at pinkshirtday.ca. Some unusual-looking vehicles are zipping around the UBC campus starting today, an experiment in urban transportation. As Tanya Beja reports, Vimo is a very different kind of ride-sharing experience. There's no real good solution for getting around campus right now. One Vancouver company wants to change that with its three-wheeled approach to the road. It feels like you have the strength of two Olympic cyclists pumped into your legs and launching you forward. All you really do is you open up the app and uh, once you're signed in, you can look at vehicles based on where you are. Velometro is introducing its Velomobile to UBC students. Users can rent the covered electric bicycle on campus as part of a sharing network. You basically just start riding. You can backpedal if you want to go backwards. The advantage is that you're allowed to go in bike lanes and you don't need a driver's license. Those are the main advantages that allows you to bypass traffic. The service known as Vimo will charge 10 cents a minute to start. Drivers can hit speeds of 32 kilometers an hour, fast enough to get to class on time. It's such a big campus that there's not enough time to get between classes. There's actually more than 2,000 trips per day that students have to make between classes that can't be done reasonably in the short gaps that they have. Keep me out of the rain, but I feel like I'd put everybody else in danger. I don't want to run over people on my way to class. I think they're pretty slick. Yeah, looks good. I think it's really great for students who need uh, transportation and don't have a car. I'd rather just walk. Metro says if the project takes off, it plans to expand throughout Vancouver. Tanya Beja, Global News. Get off my toilet, bro! Get Caught on a police officer's body camera, a police dog chase with a strange twist. That's coming up right after the forecast. We'll check in with Christy right now. And yes, we haven't been able to say goodbye to that wet snow for a while. No, we certainly haven't. In some areas like Coquitlam, Port Moody, they woke up to a little bit of wet snow. You can see it's not accumulating on the roads, but on the sides of the roads it is. I have also a tweet uh, from Coquitlam showing sort of a slushy mess on the road. So we have that chance again tonight and early tomorrow morning. Always those usual suspects. Coquitlam gets it, uh, Westwood Plateau, Burnaby Mountain, but there's a chance in a few other areas as well. Mainly we're talking about rainfall because of this system here. And 
and it is also going to bring in very windy conditions. Those of you across Vancouver Island, the Sunshine Coast, all the way down through the southern Gulf Islands and Victoria, gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. That will pick up through the morning hours tomorrow, the bulk of it through the afternoon hours. So here's an idea of it. All the way down through the Strait of Georgia, along that east coast and over towards the Sunshine Coast, some of the hardest hit areas should be in through the Saturna Island region. Those of us along the in the lower mainland, it will be mainly near the water that will see the gusty winds further inland. Not quite as gusty, but it will be a bit breezy along with the rainfall that we'll see. But it really is a mainly a rain event for our region with up to 30 millimeters of rain along the North Shore further south and west you go. You'll see far less, but still five millimeters sort of on and off. The bulk of the rainfall expected through the afternoon hours tomorrow. And yes, we're talking about snow for the local mountains. We could see between 30 to 45 centimeters of snow in the next 36 hours. I want to just point out there are a few areas that are pointing or showing a little bit of snowfall even lower down. So that's Maple Ridge, the Coquitlam that we talked about earlier. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. So rain along the coast, further inland, we're talking about 5 to 10 centimeters. And into areas like Prince George, you may see some snowfall as well. But breaks of sunshine along with that. Down through the south, a few isolated showers, sorry, flurries in the morning, changing over to showers in the afternoon. And for the south coast, we'll start off with just showers, possibility of a little bit of uh, flurry activity, mainly over higher terrain, but then changing over to rain with that wind through the afternoon hours. The two other days I want to point out are Thursday and Friday. Not a lot of precipitation, but the temperature will be such that we could see some showers or flurries, even the possibility of hail. Happy birthday to two ladies, Irene Davies and Ruth Lord. Congratulations to you both. And here's our weather window from Bella Coola, Chris. Beautiful, snowy morning. Thanks to Felicia from that for that. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Often when a suspect is chased down and bitten by a police dog, he stops. Not the case in Pasco County, Florida, as caught on a police officer's body camera. My dog's got a hold of me. He's running with my dog. After stopping two suspects who crashed a stolen van, the officer arrested one man and let his dog Shep loose on the other. But the second suspect ran off. Shep still clamped down on his arm, forcing the officer to give chase while pulling the other suspect along with him. Finally, the other suspect stopped out of breath with Shep still hanging on. Shep, down! Shep didn't let go until his partner ordered him to. Neither the dog nor the officer was injured. Nice job. Well, a very bad sheep is back in its pen after a rather bizarre attack in Nanaimo. Christy just shot me a weird look there. Earlier in the day, the two-year-old ram named Moses escaped from its yard and went on a bit of a rampage, knocking over two children and their daycare operator before headbutting a senior into a ditch. <laughs> well, usually he's tied up. Okay. She ties him, tethers him, and he eats grass and stuff. But she had gone to work, and he was out. He escaped. It was shocking, but it was amusing as well, unfortunately, for my neighbours. But uh, we live out here in the country, so those sort of things happen. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured. RCMP say the hole in the fence has since been secured with rope. Safe to say, Moses' owner feels a little sheepish about the whole thing. Oh, man. Oh. It's terrible. It's terrible. terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible.
I was surprised and he didn't Rashid. run off. He would have been on the lamb then. Yes. We already <laughs> tried that one earlier. Yeah, there's okay. a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, we'll spare you anymore uh, and talk hockey. Okay. Um, oh, the uh, the draft announcement. We talked about that last that's week. That's right. You okay. broke the story so the, wide open. The draft announcement is tomorrow. Gary Bettman's going to be in town. Ooh, that's exciting. The draft is a pretty big deal. Oh, big, it's huge. Big deal. It's a Thank huge deal. Yeah, it'd be... Well, would it be fun if the Canucks got the number one pick next year? Yes, I guess it would be, but that would mean the Canucks would have another bad season. Yeah. So, you know, you take the right. good with the bad. Okay, so here we go. So the NHL has sent Gary Bettman to Vancouver to make a major announcement tomorrow, which we know what it is. We talked about it last Thursday. Vancouver will host the NHL draft next year at Rogers Arena. Uh, third time this city will host the NHL draft. The first two were 1990 and 2006. Actually, 2006 was at Rogers. 1990, they held it at BC Place Stadium. One of the greatest first rounds ever in terms of talent. Yarmir Yager was picked that year. Martin Brodeur was picked in the first round. The Canucks, of course, didn't take either of those. But uh, the draft announcement should be at 1 o'clock our time tomorrow. And I think you'll be able to watch it on BC One if you want to see Gary Bettman speak live. Are you okay? The uh, New York Rangers are in town. And you might not recognize them. In fact, they might not recognize each other. Earlier this month, the Rangers sent an open letter to their fans telling them they were going to trade away veterans and focus on getting younger fast. And that is exactly what they did before the trading deadline. Now, that's quite a contrast to the Canucks' transition to younger players, which in comparison has moved at the speed of a glacier. As good as some of the core veterans had been for the New York Rangers in recent years, the Rangers cut ties with them, which is something the Canucks have not been willing to do in such a drastic fashion. I don't know. I, I never experienced anything like it. You know, for, for me, ever since I was, you know, really young, it was all about, you know, go for it to win. The cornerstone of the Rangers franchise remains in a state of shock. This after New York went all in on trade deadline day, by blowing up their roster. They traded away team captain and top pairing defenseman Ryan McDonough, along with top six forward JT Miller. That move coming a day after the Rangers unloaded Rick Nash to the Boston Bruins. Really, it started uh, last year at the draft where we traded uh, Derek Stepan and uh, Antti Ranta. Um, so, I mean, we've been trying to retool a little bit on the fly, and, uh, you know, as an organization, uh, decision was made that uh, you know we had to you know maybe go uh, a little bit more all in and uh, that's what uh, we decided to do. This from a franchise not that far removed from being in the Stanley Cup final one that also played in the Eastern Conference final three years ago and was still within reach of a wild card playoff spot a few weeks back yet the Rangers had no problem taking a machete to its core. It's, it's hard um, to have good friends and teammates um, uh, be traded and, and, and move on, and uh, but it's part of uh, the situation we're in in the game, and uh, you know, like, uh, we deal with those professionals, and that's what we're going to do in here. Now compare that to the Vancouver Canucks. Seven seasons have passed since their last Stanley Cup appearance, and look where they're at. They haven't won a playoff series since. We'll miss the postseason for the fourth time in the last five years. And the Sedins, along with Alex Edler, are still very much core pieces. So if the Rangers can make drastic roster changes, why can't the Canucks? 
But the most important thing right now is um, to, to restart the whole thing, I think, because it feels like, uh, you know, it is a new team with all the new guys coming in and, and the big part gone. Well, there's one of the newest Winnipeg Jets. Paul Stastny brought in to help them in their playoff run, taking on the Nashville Predators tonight. Second period, there's no scoring yet. Oh, now there is. Matt Hendricks scores. Actually, this second period had seven goals in it after a scoreless first. This is Colin Smith putting in Roman Yossi's rebound to make it 1-1. Mark Shifley has a couple of goals in the second period. And the one I'm going to show you here on the power play, this was assisted by Paul Stastny, who has it right there, and the quick pass to Scheifele. He's fitting in already. Ready to start the third period, Winnipeg up 4-3. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has been working out with the New York Yankees this week. He'll do it all week. The Yankees own his baseball rights now, but they know Wilson will never leave football to play for them or become a Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, two-sports star. If anything, this is like a fantasy camp for Russell Wilson. His contract with the Seahawks will not allow him to even play an exhibition game for the Yankees, but wearing the pinstripes in practice is enough of a thrill. Uh, the thing I'm excited about the most is, is really learning you know, about you know, the Yankees and how they've won 27 world championships. You think about 27 world championships, what that takes, the mentality. There's something, there's an aroma around here that i got to figure out, and I can't wait to learn more about it and, and, uh, and use that for, for my football career as well. He wanted number three, and they're like, uh, no, that's a Babe Ruth number, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can't have the Babe's out. number. So he'll wear 73. Three, and with a seven, which was his baseball number when he was a kid. Gotcha. Okay. Looked like he had the fundamentals down there. Oh, he can play. play. He can play. And it's much easier to throw a ball when no one's trying to sack you at the same time. That's very true. Here's a look at today's snow report. The base at Whistler Blackcomb, 300 centimeters, 422 at Grouse. Cypress, 415. And Sasquatch, 368. 5 to 12 centimeters of fresh snow, those mountains. Revelstoke, 259 centimeter base. Manning Park, 213. Powder King, 290 with 21 new. And Mount Washington, a base of 230. Southern Interior Mountains, a few centimeters has fallen. 293 base at Big White. Silver Star, 264. Sun Peaks, 227. And Apex, 275. Coming up on ET Canada, we are in Fiji for our Survivor Ghost Island special. We have exclusive interviews with the cast, Jeff Probst, and yes, Dr. Joe himself. That is all coming up at 7, right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. So the Junos are going to be at Rogers Arena March 25th. But mm -hmm. you know what's funny? Not all of the nominees are musicians. Comedy album. Exactly. Ivan Decker. Local boy mm -hmm. uh, is one of the nominees for that. Hopefully he wins. Um, and you he was, sat down with him, right? I got to say, you know what? Not just sit down with him, get to go backstage. I love knowing about the art of comedy, how people put things together, and what it's like to be a comedian. So he was kind enough to let us hang out with him for one night. Here we go. Nice. Things I did was that I changed the clock on my phone to 24-hour time. <laughs> Except the problem with that plan is that I'm a comedian. I sleep till noon. I didn't see any of the normal numbers ever. It was just 13 to 23. Since public speaking is one of our species' greatest anxieties, you would have to think that being a stand-up comedian is like a profile in courage. All that stands between you and rejection by strangers is a microphone and your wits. Can you tell, like, before you walk in, oh, this is going to be rough? 
I try not to have that attitude. I always feel like there's... That you can win them over? Yeah, yeah. There's a way to win in every situation. In order to win, you of course need good bits. But how do you know your bit isn't already spoken for? I have enough comics that I know that know enough comics. Like, there's just a branch network. And then the rule is, like, obviously, if you see somebody do a bit, that you're like, oh, okay, like, they have it. <laughs> I just want everything right away. That's the problem. If someone sends me, like, a video, and there's a five-second ad at the beginning, I will not watch the video. <laughs> I'll just reply, ha, 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 and then... Now, a lot of people are funny around their friends, but that's not the same thing as doing it on stage. The setup to your jokes or your things that make people laugh in regular life are just what's happening around you, right? So you don't have to create, with stand-up, you have to create the setup. Like, you have to build the door, then open it, whereas at a party, you just have to open doors. And doors are opening for Ivan. He recently got a spot on the Conan O'Brien show. The grocery store is a place where someone has disassembled foods <laughs> and hid the pieces all over a building. The road work, the stuff, the hours you put in, the time you put in, it really is tough, and it's, it's really nice when it kind of gets to culminate in something as wonderful as that. But even if that had never happened, to Ivan, there is nothing more fun than having a job that makes people laugh. I've been having fun the entire time, so I'm just happy that it's been good to me, and anything that comes my way that is great, obviously I'm super grateful, but I'm pretty happy with where I am now as well. You guys ready?